0: Hey there, and welcome to the Agency Rockstars podcast. I'm Dana Lindahl, and I'm the founder of LegendaryLeadGen.com, where we help B2B companies become authorities in their industry, set more sales appointments, and convert those appointments into more sales. We also help other agencies sell our patented process on to their own clients, and we truly believe in the value of building and creating relationships, and in that being the main driver of new sales for agencies. So. Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be revealing how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing agency podcasts on the planet. All right, let's get straight into it.
1: All right, rock stars, welcome back to the show. Uh, Today, I welcome to the stage uh, yet another rock star. Her name is Amanda Russell. Amanda, first of all, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Absolutely. So listeners, Amanda is a rock star because of a lot of things, um, the agency side of things. Uh, she had founded an agency called Interesting Agency, which she then sold, which is so often one of our dreams, right? Uh, so she did that. She also has been working with some amazing brands. And Amanda, I love on your website how like, you, you talk about being this international brand strategist, a speaker, an educator, a fitness icon, um, you actually created the world's first accredited influencer marketing college course. And then also, you throw in there, and when brands like Lamborghini and Lionsgate want to better understand influencer marketing, they call me. So like, that's awesome. That's
2: marketing for you. That's marketing uh, 101. Market yourself.
1: Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So, Amanda, um, I'm really excited to dive into your story a little bit. Um, let's go back to starting that agency real quick. How did you end up getting into running and starting your own agency?
2: Yeah, there's a lot. There, there's a lot in there. So my, my yeah, my path started as a competitive runner, um, and it ended. And that's I'm from Canada. I came to the U.S. on a U.S. track scholarship, um, and my trajectory was always to to go to the Olympics. And then a, um, an injury. Sidelines me forever, pretty much. Gotcha. Uh, and that really changed my trajectory. And I was very young at the time. Think, and I, you know, in retrospect, it was really great that it happened. Uh, it was the worst thing at the time, but it enabled me to have a full career and, and not lose. I wouldn't say li- that Olympians necessarily lose all those years, but I didn't lose all those years. And I had, I got, all, I ended up putting all that energy towards my career in a different way. And I knew that if I couldn't go to the Olympics that I wanted to go to New York city. It was always a dream. And, um, I didn't have a work. I didn't have a visa though, or work experience and to get sponsored by a company, it takes a lot of that. Um, mm. and so I kind of had to prove to a company that you, I had something that no other American applying for the job would have. And really I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do because I didn't even have work experience. <laughs> so, um, said so yeah. I tell this story cause I'm like, you know, I, you know, I, I see like business students every day and they're like, but how do you, how do you, how do you? I'm like, if you are, if you if you're American, you're already like 10 steps ahead of where I was. And I think you got to use what you have and not compete on what what you don't have. So I didn't have experience, but I did have a lot of energy and discipline and work ethic and grit that I would put into a company. So I ended up focusing on three major consulting firms um, that were headquartered in New York and I, I got in by sending them boxes of my shoes, actually, boxes of, I had been sponsored by Nike and I sent them boxes of like used Nike running shoes um, to the gatekeeper with this whole story about how I now had this work ethic and drive and dedication that I could now give solely to your company because I could no longer run. And I ended up getting the job with one, with, with Millard Brown, which is now Kantar Group, which is one of the biggest, you know, marketing research and consulting data science companies in the world. And that was my start. Um, And I tell that story, But people say, what does that have to do with anything? And that was a pivotal story for me because that's what made me so passionate about influencer marketing. Even though I didn't call it that at the time, I view it very differently. And I think, especially whether it's the, whether you're trying to move your way up in an agency, you're trying to win a client, or whatever it is, you have to figure out what matters to your audience. Who's your audience, and how do how do how can I position it so that this is a win win for them? Um, and so for me, I'm I you know on the periphery, I didn't have any work experience, and I wasn't even American. They were gonna have to have a, they were gonna have to take a big leap to hire me um and so it was like what can i do to show you that i'm the one and and you now having been on the flip side my god if somebody were to even like mail me their a letter in the mail versus just like you know some of the ways that people apply you're like are you kidding Mm -hmm. they're not even personalized there's like typos everywhere they're not even. i mean but to put the time in like that show like don't I always say that one of the most you know annoying things on whether it's your resume or a, a, your, your your personal brand website, especially if you're looking for a job or a promotion or raise or whatever it is, is to just start describing your skills. Who cares? Everyone can say they're passionate. Everyone can say they're hardworking. Show me how is how does that like you know tell a story give me an example but there's nothing worse than just listing a bunch of like attributes about yourself that Mm -hmm. anybody could say right Mm -hmm. so that was to me like you know and there there was a sort of a theme through my career and a lot of it had to do with kind of figuring out who's my audience and what are those influential forces that are gonna um that are going to um, affect their their decision, and what decision do I want them to make? How do I how do I influence them to feel that way?
1: Mm-hmm. So, how you know, influencer marketing seems to be this buzzword right now. It's a pretty hot topic, um, and, and people have in mind what that means. You know, we we see some of the I don't know if it's like the satirical look at it, the fails or whatever, but it's this idea that you know you rent a uh, uh, an apartment in New York and it looks really nice. And then you, you fake everything and like, well, I'm an influencer now, but it sounds to me like the way you talk about influencer marketing is a little bit different. It sounds like yeah. you're building, you're building trust. You need to know your audience. Um, help me understand a little bit, help the listeners understand a little bit wh- what influencer marketing looks like in 2021 and beyond.
2: Yeah. You, you're, your uh, quick study. I, I view influencer marketing very differently. Um, and I, the first thing I say is that when you're taking the course, or you're reading the, my book or whatever it is that this is likely not anything that you thought it was going to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, it influencer marketing is not social media. It, it is not about, um, reach. It's not about the size of one's audience. It's not even about this vague term of engagement. It's about trust. And, you know, in order to understand influencer marketing, we have to first understand influence, bottom line. Mm. And what we're calling influence, by nature, like if you actually think about it, by nature of calling somebody that just has a following online, an influencer, and then you're debating whether they're a fake influencer, by definition, that can't be. Because influence influence is an outcome. Mm. It's not a job title. You could be a content creator you could be a social media star. You can be popular or famous, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're influential. And that influence also doesn't transfer categories. So it's not universal. So if you're influential in one category, it doesn't mean you're influential in another. And that's why the term influencer seems so backwards to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reason that reason that I started – that I wanted to teach and I got into – Um, the whole subject matter on a bigger level because I thought it's such when done right, when people understand this, it's transformational in the way that you do business and the way that you do life. Um, But at the end, but, but first we have to shift the way that we think about it. I think we are getting there in that, you know, we're starting, you're starting to see articles and agencies talk about, Oh, but you know, it's not about, you know, we don't just do one-offs or we build relationships and whatever um but and so it is going more in that direction because real influencer marketing is relationships and partnerships but i think it needs to shift more than that to get past the idea to literally separate social media advertising which which is what paying somebody to post about your brand really is mm-hmm. it's just modern day advertising T- to influencer the market and distinguish between the two and put a different lens through which you view it because when you put that lens differently when you when you look through a different lens, it shifts the way you think about all of business um, and the way that you do things and how you're going to do things. And even the way that you look for partnerships, rather than just like looking at these, like, you know, a lot of, um, there's like databases and tools on finding influencers. That's not the way that I would find a real partner. It's just start with you knowing what your goal is, knowing who your audience is and then what factors are, by nature of knowing your audience and really spending the time to figure out where they're hanging out, where they're going for answers to their problems and desires. By nature, you're going to figure out who influences them. And that might not even be a person. If you're writing a book, maybe it's Oprah's book club sticker. So um, I think you have to really start with the audience. Even the questions that people are asking, but by nature of those questions being asked, to me it denotes that you're, you're viewing influencer marketing as, as advertising. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so much more than that, is what I hear you saying. That's awesome. Yeah, I, lo- I love yeah. that idea. Um, you know, I, I mean, as a marketer myself, I when I hear that term, even at, when I hear things like social media marketing, it's like, well, but it's it's marketing. It's building trust. It's telling your story. Yes. The tools that you use are important, but it's not just that. And so, I love how you're re- kind of redefining uh, what influencer marketing is. Um, and, and that. And that's why and you it's
2: wrote a refreshing book. To get somebody to get it because then I'll sometimes I'll explain that and I'll say, so how do you go about, um, what, what do you think about the tools to finding followers?
1: Yeah, of course. It's all about the followers, but not really. Um, which is why you re- wrote a book, the influencer code. Um, so that's good stuff. So, I mean, uh, help me, um, l- let's, let's, let's explore the people that you help, um, Share a story with the audience, if you would, uh, about a, a favorite story that highlights a specific way that you've been able to serve those clients and find that influencer marketing success.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna use this example because I'm actually writing a Harvard uh, case study on on them right now, um, and they were one of my first. They were kind of one of the first uh, brands that I worked with that I really felt like did influencer marketing right. Um, and it was, you know, we didn't call it that at the time, but it was Zico coconut water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that was such an interesting case is because if you think about it, um, at the time, no one, it was, it was a completely new category. It, they were not just creating a product. They were creating a new category, meaning that nobody had ever boxed water, coconut water and sold it. So yeah. there were so many different questions. There it was like the audience, who do we market that to? Do we market it as like, do we position it as a health beverage? Do we position it as um, a recovery drink? Do we position it more as like more the health route or more the taste route? Right. Because there's a lot of drinks that are healthy, but they taste like crap. <laughs> so like, what, how do we position it? For one and then once we decide that who is our audience is our audience are we going to go after like the fitness people the yogis the health well, health and wellness community or are we going to go after the sports drink community or the the, the 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 healthier mixers for alcohol there was a whole host of questions there hmm. um and what they did was they worked um i i They actually recruited me, um, based on the fact that I was, uh, I was in business school at the time and I was, I couldn't work legally when I went back to school. So I was uh, back to the visa issue. I was, um, hosting like boot camps and like exercise classes and whatever, like on, um, in central park and the West side highway and all over New York. And, uh, the, I think it was, it was it the, somebody from the advertising agency, one of the executives, um, thought that I would be a good ambassador for them. And they they had one of their ambassador at the time was Molly Sims, who was a model. Um, and she was great, but I, th- I think that she was not necessarily like the fitness or the, like the really lived the, lived the life. So I ended up taking over her contract and through it um, being a marketing business student, you know, I saw so much more that I wanted to do with them and vice versa. And they were like, this is more than just like a girl that's the face of this. This is like how, how would you see working with you? So I and I still do that. I'll pitch a, a million different ways, yeah. and so I ended up working with them for several several years. Um, and on every element. So as I was growing at the time, I had started a, a fitness YouTube channel as my business school project, and that was taking off. And it and I was starting to include them in a lot of my videos, but then also in all the opportunities I was getting. And and we would do like you know bi monthly calls in which they would, you know, we would talk about all the different things I was doing, all the different things they were doing and how we could collaborate and make it bigger. Mm. So um, even as such as, you know, I remember, and it, it it amplified me and it amplified them. So they would give me resources. Right. And um, so it didn't necessarily have to be money sometimes. Um, and they would give me tickets. I mean, I like uh, opportunity for events. So the Hamptons um, in the summer is a really like hot spot for a lot of events. And, they would have me like front row at everything um, and all I'd have to do. uh, And and they would like give me a field team and I'd just be drinking coconut water, at all these like events and benefits. And I would get photos with, with just with the coconut water. So it was like things like that that are very hard to define, right? Like you can't, you can't put that on a transaction. You can't say, um, and actually, and a lot of these things just came up through being, in partnership with them. And then, um, you know, then we started branching out and I, any kind of idea that I had, they would run with, which is what, you know, once I started working more with other brands, that's, that value to me was something that I carried with me, which is, You nurture these relationships, not out of, oh, this is part of the contractor agreement, but by just by nature of staying in touch, by doing a monthly call, by figuring out what is it all you have going on this month? How can we help you? How can we support you and vice versa? Mm-hmm. That becomes a real relationship, but it also becomes, like, just think of all your personal relationships are the ways that you've gotten jobs, gotten clients, met people. Usually it's because, oh, you just happen to be talking about something and then something clicks for somebody. Yeah. You, it's very hard to put that into metrics, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes forcing those metrics, we're missing out on a lot of the biggest opportunities.
1: Yeah. It's like that serendipity begets the bottom line, which is the real metric. I mean, it, it's important to look at other metrics, KPIs as you go, but yeah. the bottom line of does this increase sales and awareness. Yes. Then the metrics good. Like, um, that's cool. Yeah. So, so what kind of pain points do you see right now in the marketing industry that we need to focus on in 2021?
2: Yeah, I think, um, one of the biggest ones is getting budget from senior leadership. Um, and, and, um, that's because, and and that is a a symptom of marketers and advertisers not being able to communicate ROI, um, in the same terms. Um, we talk about all these things like engagement, these, the, the ways of like these reports and I should, I send you a slide of like what typical reports look like. And there are a bunch of like, and this was engagement and this was this and the CFO and the CEO are going, how did that contribute to my bottom line? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that is how to, how to, and so then the question becomes that the other pain point is how do we measure? So how do, well, how do we measure has to be less about trying to force certain metrics because it's not a hard science. So we need to learn how to, how to give the bigger picture and speak in their language, speak in, the, in a language and educate whoever it is we're communicating in, in a way that makes sense. Like, like the story that I just told you, about you know ziga coconut water, how would I, if I was looking at vanity metrics, those wouldn't have have conveyed any of that. Yet, their bottom line might have uh, might have grown. Mm-hmm. Um, on the on the on the flip side, you know somebody will have incredible numbers on like look at the Pepsi campaign. I think it was in two thousand. I think it was two thousand ten. Pepsi did one of the most incredible like four like um, futuristic kind of campaigns. Um, of their time and that they forego they forwent their traditional Super Bowl ad in favor of a social media campaign. Well, on paper, that social media campaign, that advertising agency should have won an award. I mean, their engagement was off the charts. They had, I think one in three Americans were said to know about the campaign and participate in this, in this pep- this it was called Pepsi Refresh, where people were voting for their favorite charities to give the money that they would have put for the Super Bowl ad to a charity. However, it was the first time no one failed to know if they failed to look at what the end goal should be, and what they what, they, what the what somebody like a CEO really cares about, which is the bottom line, the market share. And mm-hmm. it was the first time in history that because of that campaign, Pepsi fell from number two to number three in the market behind behind Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if you if you analyze that campaign, what was the call to action, the call to, and the engagement, all that engagement and all of that stuff. Was around your charities. It had nothing to do with 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 buying Coca Cola, uh, buying Pepsi. So, I think measurement, being able to convey measurement, being able to tell the story, all the moving parts. I think that's huge to address the other problem of 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 getting budget.
1: Mm -hmm. Man, Amanda, so much good stuff. You, you, I can see where your uh, your courses has to be highly sought after because this isn't just about (laughs) influence marketing.
2: Yeah, You feel free to interrupt.
1: <laughs> Man, that's good. Um, so where can uh for those listeners who have fallen in love with with what you've got to say, uh want to follow along, where's the best place to find Amanda Russell? And then I'll get to my last question here in a minute.
2: Sure. Um Amanda Russell.co. Two s's and two L's are my last name. And sure. I and it's it's CO because um somebody else has.com. So if you're in this audience, please. Hand over the title
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, the URL battles. it's fun. all right. so mean if if you could think of anything that you've learned over the years or advice that you've heard or given that seems counterintuitive at first but has this massive impact on your business once you embrace it, what does that advice look like?
2: It seems counterintuitive,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, follow your passion. i I mean that would sorry, that probably be the, be the worst advice I, I think is out there. I think oh, so okay. that the, 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 the thing would be not to follow you. So then I guess the flip side would be, it's not about trying to follow your passion. Um, I, and I know that I'll probably get some controversy over, over this and but let me, let, let me unpack that. So uh, especially looking at, you know, so many business students that, you know, I'm looking at their age and so much that's in front of them. Most of them, if you look at, if you, if you ask an audience of 400, what is, do you really know your passion? especially at 21 most of them don't most people at 41 don't know their passion yeah. um because there's so, because how do you know like i mean i grew up in a very small town where i had access to almost nothing so how would i possibly know i would what i do today didn't even exist you know so to yeah. to, to say wake up and try to find your passion i think that puts a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on people that were like well i think this is what i'm passionate about and then and then the other advice of like and wake up every day and, and look at yourself in the mirror and see what you want to be doing all day. And that would be it. And that's not, I, I disagree with that too, because when it gets hard, like I'd be on a beach somewhere drinking martinis, if that was the case, right? <laughs> you, you have to, and I think that's the athlete that side that taught me that when you have, I think the best advice is look at your life in 5 or 10 years. What do you want your daily not the big things because it's not the big things that make us happy. It's your daily life. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want to be in a big city? Do you want to be working in an office with lots of people? Do you want to be traveling? What, are you at a desk? What are you doing when you close your eyes and you think about it? What does your daily life look like? And then but then that there's your goal and work backwards from that and it doesn't you don't it doesn't have to be a job title or it doesn't have to be a specific brand but yeah. you have to start somewhere and when you when you get good at something when you're committed to something you end it's funny how you end up developing there's a difference between going after your a passion following a passion and being passionate about what you do mm-hmm. and being passionate about what you do that's where you want to be
1: so there's a difference between following your passion and being passionate at what you do professor mm-hmm. russell such good stuff Amanda, thank you for being a part of Agency Rockstars. Listeners, go to amandarussell.co. Yeah, thanks for being a part of it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Agency Rockstars Podcast. If you're an agency owner who would like to appear in this podcast, please visit legendaryleadgen.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you found this episode valuable, I would really appreciate you sharing it on social media. Even just a quick screenshot of the episode showing on your phone shared to social media would be great. If you truly enjoyed the episode, we'd also really love a rating in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dana Lindahl, and if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find more information about everything we're currently doing at legendaryleadgen.com. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you soon.